If you have your copy of God's Word, if you'll find your place in Psalm 51 this morning as we continue to consider the truths about revive us again, thinking these days about the importance of Holy Spirit sent revival, <clears throat> both in our corporate midst and also in our individual lives today. If you're a guest, may the Lord bless you. We're honored to have you here today. We come back to Psalm 51 again this week as we did last week, looking at the example of David in his great repentance <clears throat> after his great sin against God. Psalm 51, we'll be focusing primarily on verses 16 and 17 today. So I'd like for you to stand now in honor of the reading of God's Word, and let's read the Word of God together. And may we hear what the Lord has to say to us. I'm going to go back and read beginning in verse number 14 through verse number 17. David says to the Lord, Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, the God of my salvation. Then my tongue will joyfully sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips that my mouth may declare your praise. For you do not delight in sacrifice, otherwise I would give it. You are not pleased with burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. Heavenly Father, we stand before you now today. We've sung your praise. You alone are worthy of our praise. Everything in our life is about you and should be about you and not about ourselves and others. We ask that you would forgive us for our selfishness, for our conceitfulness, for our arrogance, and our unwillingness to submit to you and our hard-heartedness. We pray that the Holy Spirit of God would do the wonderful work of taking the Word of God and breaking up our hard hearts. That you would, Holy Spirit of God, give us focus today. We are living, we are distracted people. We carry every kind of emotion into this place today. Many of them are sinful emotions. And how we need the power of God to change our attitudes and our minds today. We ask that you would forgive us of our sins. We present ourselves as living and holy sacrifices as we confess our sin so that we might perform our service of worship. We pray for revival in this church, whatever it takes. We pray for Holy Spirit revival in this church. And in the churches around the world, we pray for them today. We do not know them by name, but we pray for them. We pray for the preachers who preach all around the world and in America. We pray that you might awaken the church and that you might help us to do our job of praying and sharing the gospel and glorifying God in our bodies in these days. And we pray for awakening in the world that millions will come to know Jesus Christ as a result of these days of trouble and dread and fear, terror, anger, frustration. Make us a people pleasing to you and forgive us when we are not. 
We ask that the Holy Spirit of God would teach us today the importance of true repentance and brokenheartedness. May we see how much you value our broken heart. May the Holy Spirit be our teacher today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Our focal truth today that I will take from these verses, primarily, again, verses 16 and 17. David says, For you do not delight in sacrifice, otherwise I would give it. Speaking to God. You are not pleased with burnt offering, <clears throat> the sacrifices of God. <clears throat> All right, broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God. You will not despise. Our focal truth is this. A broken-hearted sinner is an excellent thing to God. A broken-hearted sinner is an excellent thing to God. That's what we need for times of revival. Broken-heartedness. David starts by saying to us in verse 1, Be gracious to me. You see, this is David. We know him as a great sinner in this place, a man after God's own heart who committed horrible sin. He committed adultery with another man's wife and then had that man who was one of his most loyal soldiers killed, murdered, out of his arrogance and pride to cover it up. Now this man of God who had walked with God in shame and conviction of God and the feelings of pain and conviction that come with it. He writes these words for us and many, many, many sin like David, as I said last week, but not very many repent like David. But if we would experience Holy Ghost revival, Holy Spirit sent revival, there's going to have to be some repentance on our part before it will ever come. David says, verse 1, Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to your great, the greatness of your compassion. Blot out my transgressions. He appeals, wash me thoroughly from iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions. My sin is ever before me, and against you and you only I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. These are the words of a man with a broken heart. Because of his sin. We talk about brokenheartedness in the world today. Brokenhearted because a relationship goes bad. And that's a terrible thing and it's a sad thing. We're brokenhearted because we lose some job or something has changed in our life. Some circumstance with our family. Those are, we lose a loved one. Brokenheartedness. Yes, brokenheartedness. There's nothing to compare there's nothing of greater value. God sees all of our brokenheartedness, but oh, my dear friends, listen to me today. What He values most is when you're brokenhearted because of the sinfulness in your life. A brokenhearted sinner is an excellent thing to God. So I ask you these questions, as I always do each week before we get into the text and look at it for a few minutes to get your minds focused. We need some focus today, don't we? We're so distracted. In these days, in these days, do you lack any real feelings about the sin that you commit in your life? 
Well, this, since I was here last week standing in this place preaching, I've had to battle indwelling sin in my life. Every day it's the battle. If you're honest, you have too. And sometimes we stand up and we kill sin like we're supposed to by the Holy Spirit's power. And sometimes we yield to sin and we say things, do things, go places think things, obsess about things that are not honorable to God, and we sin against God. I ask you today, is there any real feeling in your life when you have sin in your life? Does your conscience, along with the Holy Spirit of God, say you're the one, you're guilty, you've sinned against God and others? You see, when we, when we come to this matter of revival, my dear friends, I love you in Jesus. We must come to deal with sin in a serious way. Do we just shrug our shoulders and say, well, I'm saved by the grace of God, so God will get me by, and all the grace is good enough for me. That's all I need. Do you have real feelings about sin in your life that you commit? Are you, are you trying to gain God's, you know, sometimes when you have an offense toward your spouse or your or you're, uh, you're, you're, you're trying to make something up that you know you've done wrong to somebody. You want to make it up. You want to get it right. You overdo trying to do for them. Are you here today and you're trying to overdo in your religious life to try to gain God's smile and pleasure as if somehow what you do is going to give you forgiveness with God? Are you just... Are you trying really hard to gain God's forgiveness by doing good things in your life? There's a place for good works. But it's not in the place of somehow gaining your forgiveness with God. But are you doing that today? In this world of religion which we live, formalism and religion here, and especially in Tennessee and this part of the country... There is the idea, well, I'll just go to church, I'll just be religious, and somehow that's going to gain forgiveness and pleasure from God. God will be pleased if I'm in the church house. Is that where you're living today? Is there a deep awareness in your life that you have greatly sinned against God, not just in the past, but that the sinfulness of sin is ever trying to, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life and those powerful temptations that come in our life, they're drawing you and pulling you down. Well, a broken-hearted sinner, a broken-hearted sinner is an excellent thing to God. So I have from, I'm just going to take you line by line, verses 16 and 17, give you four observations uh, very quickly. We'll move along and then we'll Try to apply this for a moment and then we'll go on our way. First of all, we are going to see today that God rejects man's efforts to save himself from his sin. Secondly, we'll see that God refuses man's religious ceremonies performed to save himself. Third, we'll see that God delights in the sacrifices of the broken and crushed in heart for sin. God delights in the sacrifices of a broken and crushed heart for sin. And then we'll see in the last place uh, the observations that God loves, praise the Lord, God loves the broken and crushed in heart over their sin. 
So where do you find yourself today, my friend, as, you, as, it, as it comes to your heart? You know, the most significant thing God is interested in in your life is not your abilities, not your gifts. It's your heart. It's who you are on the inside, all that makes you what you are. The Lord wants your heart. What does the book of Proverbs say? Wisdom says, my son, give me your heart. Are you unwilling to give God your heart? What condition is your heart in today? When God looks at you, and He does, and He sees right through you, He judges the thoughts and the intents of our heart. As I'm speaking, as I'm preaching, He's judging my heart. He's judging yours as you sit here, and all of you who watch us today. What condition is your heart in? We pray, Lord, send revival, help us. As I asked you the other day, are you praying and asking God to revive you just because you want circumstances to be easier and better? Well, that's not a good reason for revival. Are you willing to ask God to revive you in the midst of affliction and trouble in these days that nobody likes, but they have been given to us and we must learn to give thanks for this is the will of God for us in Christ Jesus. God rejects man's effort to save himself what did Paul say in Romans 3.20? By the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. You cannot work to gain self-salvation. Sinful man seeks self-salvation self by reforming his actions. People will say, well, I'm going to be a better person. I'm going to clean myself up. I'm going to be good. I'm going to do good things. That's what I'll do. I'll save myself by just being good. That lasts about 10 minutes. I'm going to be good. Self-salvation. Man seeks self-salvation by doing for others. A lot of people doing good in the world. A lot of people saying, and that's important, it's wonderful. Civic activities and caring for others and doing things in the community. Wonderful things. But they will never gain you access to forgiveness with God. No matter what you do. Your works will never save you. Your works will never give you forgiveness with God when you've sinned. You see, God rejects it. What does He say? For you do not delight, verse 16, in sacrifice. Otherwise, I would give it. This is a man who's come, he's come full circle to understand it's not in what he does for God that gains forgiveness. Now that he's been forgiven by God and he's confessed his sin, he wants to do something. And the first thing God reveals to him is it's not what you do, it's who you are in forgiveness with God. You'll never do much for God, my friend, unless you experience the forgiveness of God. That's the order. So God rejects man's efforts to save himself, for you do not delight in sacrifice, otherwise I would give it. Secondly, God refuses man's religious ceremonies Perform to save himself. You're not pleased with burnt offerings. God refuses religious ceremony, listen to me, when there is hypocrisy and an unwillingness to hear the word of God. Now let me take you to a place in your Bible. You don't have to turn there, but I want to read it to you. In Jeremiah chapter 6, Jeremiah speaks to the people and he describes their condition. They were religious but they never received and heard the word of God. This is very important. Jeremiah 6 verse 10. Thus says the Lord of hosts. To whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? 
Behold, their ears are closed and they cannot listen. Are you here today? You came to church for whatever reason, but you have, you're not hearing anything that's coming from the Word of God today. You can't hear it. Behold, their ears are closed and they cannot listen. Behold, the Word of the Lord has become a reproach to them. And they have no delight in the Word of God. The Lord Himself goes on to appeal to them. He appeals to them to come back to the old ways and be made right with God. Verse number 16. Stand, thus says the Lord, Stand by the ways and see and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. This is the promise of God to the children of Israel. Come back to the ancient ways. It's a good way. Walk in that way. And you'll find rest for your souls. And they said, we will not walk in the ancient ways. The Lord said, I set watchmen over you. Listen to the sound of the trumpet. He sent preachers. Listen to the sound, God says to the people. And they say, we will not listen. And yet in the midst of that, they continued their sacrifices to God. And God says to them, verse 20, For what purpose does frankincense come to me from Sheba? And the sweet cane from a distant land. Your burnt offerings are not acceptable and your sacrifices are not pleasing to me. What did the Lord say to us? If you come to the altar and you know there's some situation between you and someone, leave it at the altar. Go make it right as best you can. Why do we go through our religious ceremonies, our religious formalism, and yet there's sin in our life and there's brokenness in our lives with others and we're unwilling to make those things right with God or with others? You see... You're not pleased with burnt offerings when they're offered in arrogance and hypocrisy. What can happen in the church? What do, the, what do the critics say? Oh, preacher, I'm not coming to church. There's all those hypocrites up there. Yes, there are. Lots of them, including the preacher. Got to make things right so I'm not a hypocrite. Got to make sure my heart's right. I'm asking you today the condition of your heart. Are you formal in your religion? But your heart's far from God and you're really, frankly, hard-hearted. Well, the good news is God delights. Here's what we've got. Here's the good news. God delights, my dear friends. There, the delight of God is in the broken and crushed heart of His people. That sounds rather cruel, doesn't it? That God would want, to, want your heart to be broken and crushed. But no, that's the way... That's the way God can take us and use us as His people. You see, I can't understand these words in verse number 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, without understanding the opposite of a broken spirit or a broken heart. You see, it's a hard heart. The hard-hearted refuse to humble themselves before God. Paul describes all of those in the world who do not know Jesus Christ. And by the way, that was your condition and mine before we were saved. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, Paul describes the lost world. The lost world around us today. 
in all the things that are going on. They walk in the futility of their minds, Ephesians 4, 17, darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of ignorance and because of the hardness of their heart. They refuse to bow and submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ to be saved. They live in the hardness of their heart. And I tell you, when you're in the world, it can make you a hard person. What must God's people be? We must be the broken ones in a hard-hearted world. All you got to do is get out there a little bit and you'll find how hard-hearted it is. We don't need it brought in here. This is the place where broken hearts show up. This is the place where we come and say, I need to get rid of my hard-heartedness. You see, the hard-hearted refuse to humble themselves before God. The hard-hearted reject God's Word. Uh, I'll just read it to you, Zechariah 6, uh, 12. They made their hearts like flint, like stone. So that they could not hear the law and the words of the Lord. A hard heart, you'll never hear God's word. What did our Lord teach us about the preaching and teaching of the word of God and the reading of the word of God? When the word of God is given, it's like seeds on the ground. And some of it just lands out there on the road. And it'll never grow on the road. The birds come and get it. It's just the, it's so hard. It's so hard. Are you here today and there's no ability for the Word of God to get inside of you because of your hardness? Why are you so hard? Did someone tell you that that's what it's really like to be a man or woman of God, to be hard? A fellow said to me one time, well, Pastor Mike, I don't know about being tenderhearted because if I'm tenderhearted, I might get hurt. So the alternative is just be hard-hearted and you don't care? See, God delights in those who have a broken, crushed heart. What, what is this sacrifice? What is this brokenness in heart? Well, it's grief over sin. I come back to my repeated statement to you. We ought to be sad, grieving people today as we pray for the condition of our world. Not angry Bitter, hostile, hateful people. Shame on the church when we act like the world. I'm going to say it again. Shame on the church when we act like the world. Psalm 38.8 I am benumbed and badly crushed. I groan because of the agitation of my heart. I'm not responsible for your heart today, nor are you for mine. But I tell you, I have to deal with God. God delights the sacrifices of a broken and crushed heart. One that grieves over sin. The broken and, the broken and crushed heart are those who humble themselves. What did James tell us? Humble yourselves before the mighty hand of God. Humble yourself. Come before Him and admit what you have done and who you are. Even as a believer, you still battle that old nature. 
You live in the world. We get pulled in every direction. We become hardened and we don't even know it. The broken and the crushed are grieved for their sinfulness. They humble themselves before God. But perhaps this is the one that's the strangest description of what it means to have the sacrifice of a broken spirit. You see, the broken and crushed are people with a tender heart. Tenderness. I want to read you some strange words. 2 Kings chapter 22. In 2 Kings chapter 22, Josiah is repenting and he's become, he's chosen as a king to live in Judah, as a king of Judah in righteousness before God. The prophets send word to him from God. And these are the words, 2 Kings twenty-two nineteen. 19. Because, listen, they're very important for us today as we consider our own hearts. Because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before the Lord and have wept before me, I have heard your prayer. What a verse. What a statement. Because your heart was tender. Here's the king. With all of his power, with all of his authority, tough guy, king of Judah. But his heart was tender before God. I ask you today, do you have a tender heart? Or are you somewhat proud of your hard heart? A tender hearted. They grieve over their sinfulness. They grieve over the conditions of our world. They pray. They humble themselves before God. They seek to glorify and honor God. Paul said... In uh, Acts 24, 16, before a bunch of godless Roman governors, I do my best to maintain a blameless conscience before God and men. You see, when your conscience is tender, you'll watch what you say. When your conscience is tender, you'll watch what you do. You'll be careful because you do not want to sin against God. Micah said... With what shall I come to the Lord and bow before God? Shall I come with burnt offerings? No. No. The Lord says, Micah 6, 8. And what have I told you, son of man, that you're to do? You're to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with your God. Micah 6, 8. You see, God rejects man's efforts to save himself. God refuses man's religious ceremonies performed rather than being right with God. God delights in the sacrifices. I'm asking you today, is God delighted with the condition of your heart? Oh, don't look at anybody else's. Look at your own. And finally, good news, God loves the broken and crushed in heart. Aren't you glad to know that today? Aren't you glad to know that God loves the broken and crushed in heart? Aren't you glad to know it? I'm glad to know it. You see the last line of verse 17, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. God cares for the broken and crushed sinner. Listen to, listen to this care. I'll just give you some promises. I could go many places. These are wonderful ones. They're famous ones from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 66, 1 and 2. Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool, but to this one I will look. To this one I will look. To him who is humble and contrite and trembles at my word. Is that you? Is that you? Who does God look to? Who does he go and who does he have special care for? Ah, to those who humble themselves 
who are His children, who are His favored ones, who are His ones saved by grace. He looks to them and those who tremble at His word. God revives the broken and crushed sinner. Isaiah 57, 15. Thus says the high and lofty one who lives forever, whose name is holy. I dwell on high with the contrite and lowly in spirit in order to revive the spirit of the lowly and revive the heart of the contrite. That's what, what, that's what we need. Oh, how I need tenderness in my life so that God might revive me. God comforts the broken and crushed. How does Paul say it in 2 Corinthians 7, 6? God who comforts the depressed comforts us. And what else can we say about what the Lord Jesus said when He declared His own ministry in His own hometown in the synagogue in Luke 4? He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach. And then He says, He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. I ask you today, and I've challenged you today, to consider the condition of your heart. Proverbs chapter 4 tells us to watch your heart, for out of your heart flow the issues of life. The Lord Jesus said that out of the heart come adultery, theft, murder, slander, killing. It all comes out of the heart. What's the condition of your heart today, my dear friend? That's the important thing. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise it. He delights in those who are broken and crushed in spirit. So what do I have for you that I'd like for you to remember from these, these uh, principles, these observations? Well, first, or, first of them is this. Only God can break a hard heart. You can't break your own heart. And God's in the business of doing that these days. We don't like what God's doing sometimes. These days, these days, oh, how many tell me, I just wish it was yesterday. But yesterday's gone. It'll never be yesterday. It's over. Now you have today. Today, if you hear His voice, humble yourself before God. And the Lord continues to grind and put pressure on and there seems to be no relief and We've, many of us have turned rather to politics than to prayer and to spiritual things. We look to man for the answers to these things rather than coming to God and humbling ourselves and saying, Lord, have mercy on us. Have mercy on the United States of America. Have mercy on this world. Some of us still know the answers and we're trying to figure it out and we're mad at everyone who doesn't listen to our solutions. Only God can break a heart and He's breaking. He's putting pressure on today. God delights in the brokenhearted. He's with them. He associates with them. He looks to them. He saves them. He comforts them. A tender heart is a spirit-filled heart. A lot of us grew up in days we talked about the spirit-filled life. You know, a spirit-filled life's a tender-hearted life. You're tender to sin. You're tender when you grieve somebody else or offend them or sin against them. You don't say, well, you know, they just deserved it. Good riddance. Good riddance. They got what was coming to them. Praise God. 
No, the tenderhearted, they don't live like that toward their neighbor or their family or their spouse. A tenderhearted man or woman is a spirit-filled woman. Brokenness in sin brings closeness to God. Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Oh, when you're broken for your sin, who comes to comfort you? The Holy Spirit of God. That's the way it's supposed to be. The brokenhearted are blessed by God. Psalm 147, 3, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. And finally, the only way you'll ever serve God is for God to break you. I grew up in a part of the country. A lot of people involved in taking care of breaking horses. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen the breaking of a horse, but it's, it's somewhat, it seems somewhat cruel. The breaking of a horse. The breaking of the horse so that all the power and all of that's in the energy and strength of a horse can be harnessed and used for purposes. Our wild, hard hearts have to be broken for us to be of any use to God. And you've got an entire Bible filled with examples of how God crushed men. But some of us don't like that crushing. We don't like for God to do that. We just want God to just let us go the way we are. It doesn't work that way. It's a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Because God's going to finish His purposes in your life, and that involves breaking you. Why, He might put you around some people that totally annoy you. Isn't that wonderful news? Isn't that good news today? You can't get away from them. They're always there. You pray for them to leave, but they never leave. You ask God every day to give you a new circumstance, and you, you wake up, and you're still in the same one. And you wonder, is God being cruel? No. He cares enough about you to break you so that you might be like Jesus Christ and that you might be useful for His purposes. Brokenness. It's God's way to revival. Churches must be broken. Churches must be broken in order for the Holy Spirit of God to make His way in to do what He must do. He does it in extraordinary ways. He does it in totally non-ordinary ways when He comes in revival. Lord, I want you to use me. Then get ready for a good breaking. Because it's coming. And that's where we are today. So as we leave today, how do we use these things in our life? How do we take this all and use it in our life? Well, first of all, don't be afraid. I, I don't want to be afraid either. I must admit to God when I'm hard-hearted. When I'm back out there in this world and I've gotten myself into a mess and I know what I'm doing and I'm not listening to the Word of God, I'm not paying attention to the Holy Spirit, I'm cruel, I'm hard, I'm, I'm cynical, I'm mad, I'm bitter, I know all the characteristics, I'm arrogant, I'm proud. i got to come before the Lord and say, my heart is hard, Lord. I've got to pay attention when the Holy Spirit's saying to you, Mike, humble yourself. Humble yourself. 
Admit it. Remember, God's not interested in what you do religiously to gain forgiveness. God is interested in the condition of your heart. And finally, there's no better news than this. There's no better news than this. Come to the Lord Jesus. Only He can forgive your sin and soften your heart. Anybody glad to hear that this morning? That's what the Lord does. He softens our heart. He tenderizes our heart. So we end today by reading these wonderful words, famous words, that many of us in this room know very well. In fact, many of us have memorized them. The sacrifice of God, sacrifices of God, are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. God will never turn away from you with your brokenheartedness. He will always come to you. And I finish by reminding you again, my dear friends, this is a wonderful, sweet truth. A broken-hearted sinner is an excellent thing to God.